Hey everybody, my name is Ilongo Veloth, and I'm here with Vincent Malka for this episode of Everybody's Favorite, Orange Cat. Hi, my name is Vincent Malka, and I'm here with Ilongo Veloth for this episode of Everybody's Favorite, Orange Cat. And we're recording this live from Will Hoffman's office. Yeah, live from Will, live at the club. One thing I will point out about their surroundings, I'm noticing that Will Hoffman owns two two issues of Mike Carey's Lucifer, the same two issues that are missing from the library <laughs> beneath us. <laughs> Not to make any accusations live on the pod, but just throw it out. We'd like to remind people we are at the Jazz Club Will Hoffman's office with a large array of comic books that are laid out, including very on-brand things such as various varieties of Marvel and... A lot of Katie Beacon, and it will happen to come on this office podcast and defend whether or not he stole things from college library, <laughs> like the worst thief in the world. <laughs> from his employer, essentially. You can come on this podcast because he's currently not in his jazz office. Jazz office. Jazz office. What do we, what do, we do on this podcast, Vincent? We... We look at some comics from between now and when we last recorded, <laughs> and we we jam about them because we are in a we are in a jazz venue. What is unusual about today's episode of the podcast, aside from our location in Will's Club? It's just two of us, and we're l- considerably less prepared than usual. Vincent sounds, for whatever reason, like he's horribly out of breath. I can attest to the fact that he hasn't performed physical activity in the last half an hour, at least. I ran. Nope. <laughs> okay. Um, for office. Do you want to start? Yeah. So, Alongo. Yeah. Talk a little bit about what's been happening in Funky Winkerbean recently. The easy answer is that I'm not. I'm not sure. Funky Winkerbean, the titular character, is in a retirement home, and for whatever reason, he and other characters, who knows if they're recurring, have decided to re- record an album. Um, they they started an Indiegogo campaign for this, um, and that's essentially what... it's It's been a lot of hot takes about crowdfunding and how old people don't know what crowdfunding is. Uh, Vincent, can you describe what, what what's happening in the comic before us? Yeah, it's one long panel in which an old man is <laughs> looking at several other old people in a retirement home. Each of them have instruments, and the old man talking to them says, What, may I ask, is an Indiegogo campaign? And then an old woman says, It's a crowdfunding site for independent musicians. <laughs> and another old woman says, And you've got to admit. And then an old man says, They don't come much more independent <laughs> than us. The old man who said they don't come much more independent than us is the titular Funky Winkerbean, although it's hard to tell at this point. Vincent, can you speak a little bit to the glowing happiness on every character's <laughs> face and then the horrible gloom surrounding Funky Winkerbean? Well, you just did a pretty good job describing it. Everybody looks very contented. and, and ecstatic. <laughs> yes, yes. It's a nice range, I think, of very human emotions. And which begs the question, what does independent mean for Funky? <laughs> and why, why is he the only sad one in the room? I like could, to, yeah. mean any, could mean anything. I like to think that independent means that nobody supports him in any <laughs> endeavor and that he feels very alone. It's incredibly possible. What the hell kind of 
music are they going to be playing here? I don't know, but Funky does have a trombone, which is maybe the most on-brand instrument for Funky Winkerbean to be playing. What kind of trombone hot tech that was? I, I quite like the instrument. I have no hot takes against the trombone, but it is possibly the inst- instrument most associated with a specific noise to indicate that something is sad. That is a good, that is a fair point. Do you think we'll ever get a panel of Funky actually playing the trombone or anyone actually in an action shop playing music or that is that beyond timbatic i think that would require a lot of careful placement of <laughs> fingers onto a lot of complicated drawings of instruments which is maybe just better kept out of frame yeah and i'll, I'll point out that the only character here who has all their fingers shown in frame her, her, her thumb is just bending in a, a horror like an angle that <laughs> it really could not possibly so that, that's true she's like the um the people who play those instruments, like the choir and Snowpiercer, on that, where it's like they get they they are just under horrible pressure, and like will be taken away if something bad happens, so they break her thumb. She doesn't do well. Don't remember that movie. Last thing I'm gonna say about this is it looks like the old man is is eating her right hand. So, or she's suggestively placing it in his mouth. It's a good point. <laughs> uh, what's the next comic we have to talk about? Um, well, you're bringing well, in. You did bring in a Heathcliff. I did bring in a Heathcliff. And it's, I think it's either above the funky or below the... Well, it's got to be somewhere. Hey, you know what they say about Heathcliff? He's got to be somewhere. Yeah, never not nowhere. So this is the portion of the podcast I call <laughs> looking through my messages. And clicking on a person that isn't me. <laughs> as, as if you don't know who I am. Looking. Yeah, oh. you. Great. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay, so this, walk us through, I'll walk us through this please, Steve. Great. It's gross. It's (laughs) legitimately disgusting. (laughs) There's no part of it that's good. So, um, a plumber has come to the nutmegs, question mark? Yeah, come to the nutmegs to repair their sink, and he's leaning down wearing a crop top and exposing, exposing a large swath of its back and ass crack. And ass crack. And on that huge swath of his back, there's a picture just of Heathcliff's face. A tramp stamp of Heathcliff's face, Well, we'll get there. Okay. I, that's one possibility. Um, and then a, a, a bird in a cage and Miss Nomeg are... That's not Miss... That's, who is that? That's like her twin from the past. Oh, and Jackie O are standing okay. and, and looking at uh, looking at the plumber, and the bird is saying, too much information. And... Uh, Miss Nutmeg from the past has just an incredible expression of displeasure on her face. Which is a long line, and then very crunched on top of it, two dots indicating eyes and a little nose. Two dots on the same side of the nose, as as if they're misplaced on the head, but we can... It's nice to see that Peter Gallagher is br- trying to bring a little, a little bit of a Cubist touch to his, to his work in Heathcliff recently. What information are they gleaming from this tattoo of Heathcliff? Presumably that they're in some kind of a romantic relationship. Right, right. That's that's what it indicates to me, too. Perhaps perhaps it's not about the tramp stamp. Perhaps they're saying, oh, I don't want to know the fact that you eat a bagel while you're working. I was assuming (laughs) a donut. (laughs) Because there is a bagel and or donut or croissant just lying next to his... uh, Could be an awful croissant. That's a good point. Yeah. Just just placed out among the array of tools. Well, when I say array of tools, it's really four circles of various sizes. Um, there's yeah. a horrible ringing coming coming from Will's club. I don't know what kind of experimental shit he's on right now. 
Yeah. Something that we like to, we both book for Will's Club, for Will's Office Jazz Club, and we like to push boundaries of what we think music can be. And we've been trying a lot of like ringtone recently. Yeah, yeah. Or just like plugging things into the wrong socket and seeing what happens, what kind of and noise is produced. I, I don't want to brag, but we've filled up every night. Yeah, yeah. Mostly <laughs> hostages that Will brings. What's, what's great about a relationship with Will Hoffman is that we book the bands, by which I mean we plug in different instruments and see what noises come out, and he brings in the unwilling participants. Right, right. He does make requests for us to book every night, usually the same request repeated. We've never acted on it, and nothing's come of it. Yes. He's been really pushing us to get his favorite jazz icon. Physically pushing us. Physic- he's been shoving us at our laptop saying, email Kenny G. And I say, <laughs> well, that's not the brand for Will's Club. We like weird atonal noises. Um, sometimes a variety of atonal noises. And then he just puts adjective before Kenny G to try to make it fit. Bring in weird Kenny G. <laughs> and I say, do you mean weird Al Yankovic? And he says, that what I fucking said? <laughs> I say no. You say no. So do we want to keep riffing about Will's Club or move to, the, move to another comic talk more about this one? Another, well, I, maybe it's not There's a, a tramp stamp. Maybe Heathcliff has... Because you were saying it's not a tramp stamp. I think Heathcliff is inside this man. Oh. <laughs> and his face is peeking out. Like the tattoo man from DC Comics. You're going to have to point to one of the stolen comic books in Will's Club to, to explain that one to me. That's a good point. Uh, Will seems to only have a Marvel stuff in his office. So uh, Marvel fanboy, Marvel loyalist, he probably writes a lot of reviews of the, the new Thor movie online. But funnily enough, when he shoves and throws the different hostages at Will's Club, he does like to shout, I'm fucking Batman, uh, which is funny for somebody who is clearly a Marvel fan. He does seem to have a book that's just called Marvel Comics. He is All-Star Superman. He is also... Wait, was that Marvel? And it was, no, they were, that, was that just the ultimate power move of them being like, <laughs> we're releasing... <laughs> we're just going to release a lot of Superman comics. What are you going to do about it? They did something similar. I think last year they made a Superman stand-in and killed him in one issue. <laughs> well, It was real. I don't know what the kind of corporate move that was. <laughs> a couple of coins. Do you want to describe this one? Sure. Uh, Leroy... And a man, both dressed in funeral attire, are eating in the shambles that the Lockhorns call a house. Lerda is walking away in the background, carrying dishes, incredibly pleased. The man looks as if he's in the midst of his death. He, he's about to collapse on the table. He's steadying himself with his left hand, as if it's the only thing keeping him up after eating what he's eaten. Leroy is sitting perfectly, perfectly still. He has a, a pretty good posture. And he's coming to the man that Loretta's Jello is a congealed weapon. Now I, I on, just got that joke. Pun on concealed weapon. Pun on concealed, and I guess like Jello is congealed. I, I think suppose. it's funny if you read it literally. Yes, but that if the man is literally being poisoned. Well, they're both dying. being poisoned. Okay. That Leroy's like she's been trying to poison me for so long. I've developed an immunity to it. Absolutely. There's a picture half. The frame is visible. It appears to be a just a square inside a larger frame. The, the Everything is off balance. The lines don't line up. The table and chairs are tilted in horrifying angles that make it... it it's, it's a Picasso-esque landscape. Yeah, truly, yeah. <laughs> Picasso's influence can be seen across the comics pages this week. Yeah. Uh, from from, from <clears throat> Lady Nutmeg from the past to... To the Lockhorns. There have been a lot of Lockhorns comics with Leroy drinking coffee 
I'm realizing. So it's a little bit of character building. Which is, makes sense because as the comics we looked at last week indicate is that he's a tired, broken man. And I, presumably coffee helps him at least a little bit. Do you think we can assume that these are all like an Irish coffee of some sort? Just like oh. that this, rather than being filled with any kind of creamer, is just filled with I, straight, Yeah, it's amazing bourbon. that it looks as black as it does. That's true. Um, because I have to assume that it is so combined with... Um, with the brown whiskey. Yeah, with brown whiskey. Just turn into a different kind of color. Yeah. Are there other kinds? Are there non-brown whiskeys? Oh. I just wonder. I we'll, save it, we'll save it for the whiskey gas. Yeah. Welcome to the whiskey cast. Nope. I'm Will Hoffman, <laughs> and I'm drinking it right now. <laughs> pushing step, pushing boundaries within the man's own personal space. We'll see what kind of repercussions we face with it. <laughs> wow. Will's office changes drastically. I, I come in here a few times a week at least, usually without anybody knowing, and it just kind of take a survey of the landscape behind me, and it, it's really, it changes drastically every couple days. I have to assume that Will has not done work in two years, but just carefully arranges things in the office. Um, to throw me off the trail. Yeah, to hide things. He has an incredible amount of papers just scattered around. One placed directly beneath the wheels of his moving chair. I assume uh, he's angry at that paper. Yeah, it looks to be a schedule of some sort. I assume it's one of his many sons asking him for money, and he's just angrily rolling it over. His awful, awful sons. Oh, <laughs> every time they're in the every time they're at the club, I get annoyed. Okay, I'm just like, come on, Hoffman's, get out. My favorite line is <laughs> like that... the Beagle Boys, but human. <laughs> they're terrible. Oh, I I thought that <laughs> I thought the man himself was gonna make an appearance. We call them the Bugle Boys. They show up at the club with all their bugles and try to get booked. Yeah, and they're always like, "Oh, I love chips that are oblong shaped that you can put in your fingers." Yum yum yum. Will has a lot of a lot of comics in his office of like the same series, but he doesn't have any full runs of a series. <laughs> in He's his. a big so, fan of the. He likes to read the beginning of Why the Last Man, but uh, well, that's the first issue out of like eleven or yeah. twelve. Just uninterested to see how it ends up. Well, I think he's he's got enough. He figured out that he was the last man. He didn't. He doesn't know who Y is quite yet, but he's just gonna put it down. If you open that up, it's a lot of pictures of Will. <laughs> just pasted over, over York. Yeah. Well, I'm amazed I could remember the name of the protagonist of that comic. I haven't thought about in years. Well, the first letter counts. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. <laughs> Oof. My favorite. What I was gonna say was my favorite line of that Phantom Thread trailer is when, uh, when uh, Daniel Day Lewis is talking about what he does with his clothes, and at one point he just goes, secrets. And I imagine that when Will is arranging his office, he puts something down and goes, ah, secrets in my office. What could a man possibly have to do with nine unopened boxes of different types of tea? Presumably hundreds, if not thousands, of, of packages of tea, none of which seem to have been touched, just just laying there with a bunch of mugs that are face down, probably haven't ever used. I assume that it creates an, an anonymous aroma that he enjoys. <laughs> That's a good point. Only detectable to the superhuman senses of Will Hoffman. The, yeah, the Will Hoffman has developed over the years. Okay, great. Okay, so um, do you want to describe this last uh, Lockhorns? Absolutely. It's funny for one reason. Holy, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, another Picasso scape, <laughs> as I'll point out. Yeah. Leroy and Loretta are sitting in a marriage counselor's office. The only furniture is the the couch that Loretta is occupying the majority of, and the rolling chair that the marriage counselor, Dr. Pullman, as we just D. Pullman actually, not Doctor. I read that completely. That's horrifying. <laughs> yeah, he's he's D. Paul. <laughs> D. Paul is uh, sitting on the chair. There's no other furniture. Loretta is sitting on the couch, arms crossed, so fucking angry. She has thousands of 
piercing death knives in, in her eyes. <laughs> it's maybe the angriest I've ever seen Loretta in the run of the Lockhorns. Dr. Pullman looks as if he's in a trance, not seeing anything before him, really just looking through everything, focusing <laughs> on something else in his head. That are incredibly bored. Leroy is either playing charades, trying to act out his own dignity, or... He has hallucinated that the ceiling is falling upon him and is motioning frantically to hold it above him. Well, melancholically looking up. That's a good. He he does look as if he's already resigned himself to whatever. He's he 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 has the exact posture posture of a person that has given up. Yeah. I watched a lot of um, videos of apes in the wild this weekend for various reasons, and I was paying a lot of attention to the body language after they fight. The defeated yeah. one will kind of like just hunch over, kind of like. Keeping, making sure that it's below everything else, not not threatening everything. And that's exactly how Leroy looks right now. It's pretty, ma- it's pretty sad, and unfortunately, he. Th- 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 oh wait, is the is the area between his foot and his leg always that tight? Because it's very small to the degree it looks like he's been hacked. It uh, really like, does. Not hacked like somebody's gotten into it, but hacked like somebody took a like a large axe and whacked him a few times. Right, like a. Oh, it's awful. Now nobody, nobody's mouth seems to be open, so it's unclear as to who's talking. It could be God. It could be the creator of the Lockhorns himself. It, it could be Leroy screaming for help internally. And it, it says, "If I understand you, Mister Lockhorn, you're indicating you feel trapped in your marriage." So I guess he's he's miming his feelings. Yeah, that it, but it's, I guess, is actually I think evokes a lot of interiority for Leroy because he doesn't look angry. He truly feels kind of sad so like yeah like this marriage isn't just like usually it's like oh god i'm so bothered by them and just this looks like a real emotional exhaustion on his part yeah like he wants to love loretta well it, I, I don't it, loretta seems to only have hate in her current expression <laughs> and posture the posture is really indicative of a lot loretta, loretta's posture evokes pure hate yeah. Leroy, complete defeat and dr pullman's posture really just indicates complete indifference a, tr- a trance state as you put it like he sincerely does not care like he's maybe controlling Leroy to be doing these things he could be some kind of psychic <laughs> a, a, a Professor X he go, Leroy's like I need to feel like I I constantly like control plays such a big part of their life and they're yeah, like constantly yeah. trying to control one another and he's like I need to go to Deepal to for somebody to control me this is a pretty big power move on Dr. Pullman's part yeah. to like set up his office this way so that there's no there's no furniture except a seat for him and then yeah. a couch for the two people in the marriage to like force them to sit together. It just seems like a strange tactic that for a marriage counselor. Or that he's forcing Leroy up. Right. Because Loretta would obviously kill him if he came within proximity of her. Oh yeah. Leroy also, when forced up, um, grew to be far larger than Loretta. In a That's wonderful true. use of perspective, Leroy is gigantic compared at, to at a least tiny, three times. A tiny Loretta. Yeah. Loretta's, however, looks incredibly intimidating. Like the size of her forearms in this she looks like she could rip that man limb from limb. Oh. And she might. She very well with might. The feet. Yeah. That's which a, she's already started with. Yeah, just one hand. That's what brought him in. It's like, okay, if you're hitting me with the axe again, maybe it's time to go back to Dr. Pullman. Yep, not the police. <laughs> well, police don't exist in this universe, as oh, you no, already it's a, it's, a, it's a lawless land. This, L- Loretta this, keeps this, running people over on the goddamn freeway yeah. and has not faced any consequences for yeah, it. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Um, I assume that, yeah, there's constantly just fires outside. Oof. 
Just riots just, in the street. Yeah, yeah, just constant um, explosions, gunshots. You can just hear in the background. Like the like the world of the purge. Yes, exactly. Okay, I've never. I don't. I've never seen. It. I'm making a lot of assumptions on this cast. No, no, no. Purge cast. Purge cast. Okay. So next week on the purge cast, Will's going to be coming in and talking about the different laws that he didn't follow this week. Right. Spoiler alert. They're all kidnapping. I was going to say murder. Oh, and murder. <laughs> yeah, Kidnapping yeah. and murder. Extortion. Exorcism. Treason. Treason. Lots Do you of... think treason's legal under the purge? Like you, can, <laughs> you can you can give uh, give national secrets to other countries. <laughs> Do you think it's like like corporate espionage is legal? Yeah, like it has huge <laughs> economic implications, significantly <laughs> oh. more so than the face that the small time people. Yeah. Oh man, those movies focus far too much on the like on the on the murder and violent aspect of it. The white collar crime that occurs yeah. during the purge is horrible. I mean, imagine a day that it was legal to give insider stock tips for everybody <laughs> to do so. Like, the the econo- the market would crash instantly. <laughs> oh yeah. No people. Don't, people It'd don't be over. Touch on the yeah the the larger scale travesty the purge causes. Well, maybe it's it's a post monetary society. Yeah, maybe that's just part of they don't talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of backstory to the Burge. Yeah, they live in some incredible communist landscape. Utopia. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's why they always say characters inspired by Karl Marx and Frederick Engels at the end of those uh, at the end of those movies. That is what Purge is an acronym for. Yes. <laughs> On that note, thank you for joining our podcast this week. Thank you. you uh, thank you for joining Will's. The will cast. I thought he was going to be here. We all hoped. Bye. <laughs> oh, shit. Come on. Just click the goddamn... Just cl- just end the recording. Wait. He's here. <laughs> Wait. Well, as we end, he's walked away. <laughs> he's embracing a shadowy figure. <laughs> Care to say a few words? On the will's cast? Do you care to comment about comic books you might or might not have stolen from college library? I have not. Okay. <laughs> That's a good quality retort. He sneaks them out to a friend <laughs> by the by the parts where the alarms get set off. That's how he steals them. Bye. I'm on a window. Okay. I just I do think it's interesting that you own the, the two issues of 